0: Here, in the heart of Bloomsbury, is London's oldest cat. Standing upright in a geometrical
1: jacket, he's a smart-looking pussy.
0: In pretty good nick for a 2,000-year-old.
1: He now lives in the British Museum,
0: along with 40 other felines. A long way from their original home in Egypt.
1: Mummified for eternity, exhibit EA67D, Is visited by millions of people every year.
0: The ancient Egyptians were among the earliest humans to domesticate cats.
1: Probably because cats caught rats and mice and chased away snakes. They were
0: fascinated by felines. And felines feature everywhere in ancient Egyptian art. On paintings, statues, toys, jewelry, ornaments and amulets. If an Egyptian had a dream about a cat,
1: it was thought to bring good fortune. Most families had a pet puss.
0: Believing they would protect their home and bring good luck. They were so special and sacred and blessed with magical powers.
1: That the Pharaoh's cats were
0: dressed in golden jewellery and ate from the same plates as the kings. Taken on royal hunting trips to fetch birds and fish from marshes around the Nile River.
1: They were protected by laws. It was forbidden to insult or upset them.
0: Do cats understand insults? Oh yes, that's why they have that permanent angry look. Historian Diodorus witnessed a Roman living in Egypt, hacked to death by a crowd
2: for harming a cat. Once a Roman killed a cat, a crowd rushed to his house. Even though his act had been an accident, Not officials sent by the king, nor the fear of Rome were enough to save the man.
1: When a cat died, its family went into mourning for 70 days.
0: The master of the house, shaving his eyebrows as a mark of respect. The cat was embalmed, mummified and placed in the family tomb in a
1: special sarcophagus.
0: With mummified rodents buried alongside the cat so it could continue its mousing in the afterlife. There
1: were Egyptian gods associated with felines. The
0: most famous was Bastet.
1: With the body of a woman and the head of a cat, Bastet was the household goddess of children, pet cats and dancing.
0: And presumably dancing cats.
1: You can see dozens of statues of Bastet in the British Museum.
0: Bubastis was known as the ancient city of felines with its temple to the cat god.
1: More than 300,000 mummified cats were discovered when Bubastus' Bastet temple was excavated.
0: This infatuation with felines brought down one pharaoh. The Egyptians were defending the vital city of Pelesium. Against hordes of Persian soldiers brandishing swords and moggies. The Persian king,
1: the I, sent his troops into battle carrying cats. He knew the Egyptians would not hurt the animals.
0: So the pharaoh was defeated.
1: Literally a cat
0: catastrophe. Egyptian cats were the most loved, cosseted and cared for of all time. If you want to know why your cat is needy... It's probably because our pet pussies are descended from ancient Egyptian cats.
1: Little wonder the 21st century pet pussy behaves as if they are a god.
2: Washing of the lions at Her Majesty's palace and fortress, the Tower of London. Admit the bearer and friends to view the annual ceremony of Washing the Lions on Tuesday, April 1st, 1856. Admitted only at the White Gate. It is requested that no gratuities will be given to the Waldens on any account. Herbert de Grasse, Senior Warden.
1: The happy recipients of this
0: invitation in 1856
1: must have hoped for a magnificent display.
0: Sealed with an imposing blob of crimson wax, This ticket promised a fabulous royal ceremony.
1: But arriving at the tower, they would have struggled to find the white gate.
0: Because there was no such entrance.
1: And when they presented their precious ticket to the proper tower entrance, it would likely have been manned by sniggering yeoman warders. And when they checked the date on their invitation, the visitors would have realised it was April 1st. And
0: they had been pranked
1: in the earliest ever British April Fool's trick.
0: First played on an unsuspecting public over 300 years ago.
1: The April 2nd, 1698 edition of Dorks' newsletter
2: reported. Yesterday, being the 1st of April, several persons were sent to the Tower of London ditch to see the lions washed. Now you might be thinking,
1: how could anyone have believed there were lions in the Tower of London? Well, that
0: was not a hoax. For nearly 700 years, the tower was home to a group of king cats. With lion keepers working in the tower as far back as 1210.
1: And in 1235, when the Holy Roman Emperor, Frederick II, wanted to forge diplomatic ties with King Henry III, he sent the English king gifts of
2: three leopards.
1: These are probably lions, a homage to the royal coat of arms created by the king's uncle, King Richard the Lionheart.
0: Origins of the Three Lions symbol you see today on the shirt of the England football teams.
1: By the end of the 1300s there was an allowance for every lion. Six pence a day. To give you an idea of the
0: cost of keeping royal lions. The keeper's wages were three halfpence, the equivalent of three pounds in modern money. This was increased to six pence a day. Making the keeper's salary equal to just one lion's allowance. The lions were part of the Tower of London's menagerie, a royal zoo
1: that included...
0: Elephants, monkeys and polar bears.
1: But the big cats had pride of place.
0: With their own special tower.
1: Under Queen Elizabeth I, the public was allowed into the menagerie for the first time.
0: Visitors crossed a drawbridge to the lion's tower. Admission came
1: at a rather cruel price.
0: It was free if you brought a dog or cat to feed to the lions.
1: King James I ordered the lion's den
0: refurbished so that people could see them prowling around the circular yard. In the 1800s, there was news of a Bengal lion joining the big
2: cats. The Bengal lion is the first in majesty and in might and asserts the undisputed claim to occupy the foremost place in our delineation of the inhabitants of this royal menagerie, invested with regal attributes. The name by which it is known on arrival at the Tower is George. George was brought to the Tower by General Watson. It was in the commencement of the year 1823, When the general was on service in Bengal, that being out one morning on horseback, armed with a double-barrelled rifle, he was surprised by a large male lion, which bounded out upon him from the thick jungle at the distance of only a few yards. He instantly fired, and the shot taking complete effect, the animal fell dead, almost at his feet. No sooner was this formidable foe disposed of than a second... Equally terrible, made her appearance in the person of the lioness, whom the general also shot at and wounded so dangerously that she retreated into the thicket. Suspecting that their den could not be far distant, he traced her to her retreat, where he completed the work of her destruction, discharging the contents of his rifle. In the den were found a beautiful pair of cubs male and female, not more than three days old. These the general brought away with him and succeeded by the assistance of a goat who was prevailed upon to act in the capacity of foster mother to the royal pair in rearing them until they attained sufficient age and strength to enable them to bear the voyage to England. On their arrival in this country, he presented them to his majesty who commanded them to be placed in the tower. As well as George the
1: Lion, there was also a tiger in the tower, apparently very good-natured.
2: On the voyage to England, the tiger was remarkably tame, allowing the sailors to play with him and appearing to take much pleasure in their caresses. On being placed in his present den, he was rather sulky for a few days, but seems now to have recovered his good temper and to be perfectly reconciled to his situation. The mildness of his temper may probably be in a great measure due to his having from a very early age been accustomed to boiled food. This change of food he seems particularly to enjoy, although he has by no means lost his appetite for soup, which he devours with much eagerness. The soup tiger and the
0: lions were not always docile.
1: Some animals took their
0: revenge on
1: finding themselves in captivity,
0: maiming and even killing keepers, soldiers and visitors.
1: Mary Jenkinson from Norfolk, a regular visitor, decided to pet a lion's paw.
0: Mary was mauled by the lion and her flesh was torn from the bone. Poor Mary died. At the beginning of the 1800s, there were 300 animals in the Tower Tourist Menagerie.
1: But with concerns over animal welfare, and the inconvenience and expense of the animals, led to its closure in 1835.
0: The animals transported to form the London Zoo at Regent's Park.
1: Did this mean the end of the April Fool's lion-washing prank? In
0: 1866,
2: a newspaper reported... On April 1st, Mrs. Sarah Marks sold hundreds of tickets to the Zoological Society of Regent's Park at the bargain rate of one penny per ticket. The tickets bore the inscription, Admit Bearer to the Zoological Gardens. The grand procession of the animals will take place at 3 o'clock, and this ticket will not be available after that hour. J.O. Wildboar, Secretary.
1: Lured to see the procession of the animals, hundreds of ticket-bearers showed up at the gates of the zoo.
0: Hearing that their tickets were no good, and that they were victims of an April Fool's, the crowd grew restless and threatened to riot. Until the police arrived and told them to go home. Here must I tell the plays of worthy Whittington, known to be in his days thrice mayor of London, but of poor Beremptish-born were he, as we hear, and in his tender age, bred up in Lancashire.
1: This popular poem tells the story of a famous medieval English cat.
0: The pussy belonged to Dick Whittington, a Lancashire lad. Poor Dick was orphaned at a young age, with no one to look after him he decided to seek his fortune in the big city. Pull to London then, came this simple lad.
1: Rumour had it the capital's streets were paved with gold.
0: But in the bustling city he found no treasure.
1: And wandered from shop to shop,
0: door to door, looking for a job. Tired, hungry and dispirited, he fell asleep on the steps of a large house. Where with a merchant man? Soon he a dwelling had, a scullion for
1: to be. The master of the house took him in and gave him a job in the kitchen,
0: where long time he passed in labour grudgingly. His daily service were turning spits at the fire, and to scour pots of brass for a poor scullion's hire. Meat and drink all his pay, of corn he had no store. Dick slept under the eaves in an attic room. But the place was overrun by rats and mice which scurried over his bed and stopped him sleeping. Being a resourceful young fellow, Dick earned a penny shining shoes for gentlemen. And went along to the market, spending his penny to buy a cat. Life became easier as the cat kept the vermin away. One day, Dick's master told the servants that he had a trading ship leaving for foreign parts and invited them to send to sea any
1: possessions they wished to sell to make a bit of money.
0: Dick only had his cat, and although he loved her dearly, he would have to put up with the rats again, but he gave her to the captain to trade.
1: Without his cat, and with the evil
0: kitchen cook doing everything she could to make his life miserable, Dick decided that London was not for him, and that he would return home. Towards his country ran. To purchase liberty, but as he went along, in a fair summer's morn, London bells sweetly rung.
1: Pausing on Highgate Hill, on his way out of London, the bells of Bow Church rang, and they seemed to be saying,
0: Whittington, back return, for thou and time shall grow, Lord Mayor of London. Whereupon, back again, Whittington came with speed, apprentice to remain, as the Lord had decreed. Returning to the master's house, it was full of excitement. The trading ship had returned with great news. At one of the ports, a king had been desperate because his palace was overrun by rats and mice. The king of that country there, as he at dinner sat, daily remained in fear of many a mouse and rat. The captain showed Dick's cat to the monarch, which killed and drove away the rodents. The amazed king offered gold and jewels to buy the animal. Dick became a wealthy young man and set up his own trading business. Scullion's life he forsook to be a merchant good, and soon began to look how well his credit
1: stood. Eventually Dick became mayor of London just as the bells had
0: predicted. Sir Richard Whittington came to be in his days thrice mayor of London. Richard Whittington was a real person who lived in the 1300s but was neither poor nor an orphan. But Richard did travel to London to find work. Starting as an apprentice mercer dealing in valuable cloth.
1: He became so wealthy that he lent money to King Richard II
0: who appointed him London city mayor.
1: In his will, Whittington requested that his wealth be used to benefit the city.
0: And what about Dick's cat? Well, uncovering the truth of the story is literally a cat and mouse game. There is a statue of Whittington's cat on Highgate Hill. Where he heard the bells that told him to turn. And there's an old engraving of Dick. Which shows
1: him with his cat.
0: Now, we don't know if the feline was real... And there's no definite evidence from 600 years ago.
1: But the story of rags to riches and the monster mouser has woven its way into British culture in poems, plays and, of course, Christmas pantomimes. Has it? Oh, yes, it has. The first Dick Whittington pantomime story was performed in 1814, starring Joseph Grimaldi as Dame Cicely Suet, the cook. With Tommy the cat. And his enemy, the villain King Rat.
0: What well,
2: makes you wonder that?
0: Your pointy nose and big long tail.
2: You are a cat, aren't you? I am. And you have a long tail. I do. Well, I've got a long tail, so I'm a cat like you.
0: I smell a rat. Not me. He is a rat, is he, boys
2: and girls? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, he is. You... Think you're perfect I never shall forget the indulgence with which he treated Hodge his cat, for whom he himself used to go out, and by oysters, lest the servants having that trouble should take it as like to the poor creature.
1: Celebrity cat Hodge lived just off London's Fleet Street in the middle of the 1700s
2: with the writer
0: and creator of the first proper English dictionary, Dr Samuel Johnson.
1: The oyster story was told by Johnson's friend and biographer,
0: Boswell. Hodge was by Johnson's side as he laboured for eight years to complete his two-volume dictionary. Which includes this
1: definition by Dr Johnson.
2: Cat, a domestic animal that catches mice, commonly reckoned by naturalists the lowest order of the leonine species. But Johnson's pet was not treated as a low order,
0: Hodge was fed on oysters.
1: Now this wasn't as indulgent as it might seem.
0: today. Oysters are expensive delicacies, but in the 18th century they were plentiful and so cheap that they were a staple food of the poor.
1: But Dr Johnson did not want his servants to feel that they were beneath his pet cat, so he went out himself
0: to buy the oysters. Johnson was worried that his oyster-eating pet would get big-headed, as his friend recounted.
2: I recollect him one day scrambling up Dr. Johnson's breast with much satisfaction, while my friend, smiling and half whistling, rubbed down his back and pulled him by the tail. When I observed he was a fine cat, Johnson said, Why, yes sir, but I have had cats whom I liked better than this. And then, as if perceiving Hodge to be out of countenance, added, but he's a very fine cat,
0: a very fine cat, indeed. On another occasion
1: Boswell recalled Johnson decrying the cruel action of a young so-called gentleman
0: whose good family were known to the writer. Sir, when I heard of him last,
2: he was running about town shooting cats. And then Dr Johnson bethought himself of his own favourite cat and said, But Odge shall not be shot. No, no, Hodge shall not be
0: shot.
1: Although Hodge was not Johnson's only cat, he was his
0: favourite. And when poor Hodge was old and sick, Johnson went out to purchase herbs to ease his suffering. On his death,
1: Hodge's life was celebrated in a poem by Johnson's neighbour and friend Percival Stockdale.
2: An elegy on the death of Dr Johnson's favourite cat. Shall not his worth a poem fill? Who never thought, nor uttered ill? Who by his manner, when caressed, warmly his gratitude expressed? And never failed his thanks to purr to he who stroked his sable fur?
1: Today, Hodge is remembered by a bronze statue outside Johnson's home in Gough Square.
0: The statue shows the beloved cat sitting next to a pair of empty oyster shells atop a copy of Johnson's famous dictionary with the inscription A VERY FINE CAT INDEED. Visitors place coins in the oyster shells as tokens of good luck. And to mark special occasions and cativersaries, a pink ribbon is tied around Cat Hodges' neck. It's the 20th of April, 1949.
1: The HMS Amethyst, a British naval frigate, is sailing up the River
0: Yangtze in China. Delivering supplies to the British Embassy.
1: It comes under fire from the Chinese People's Liberation Army. The situation
0: is desperate. As a volley of shells hits the wheelhouse and the bridge. The damaged ship runs aground on a mud bank. Below deck, Many of the crew are severely injured.
1: Including Sailor
0: Simon, the ship's much-loved cat. Sleeping in the captain's cabin when a shell smashes into the hull.
1: Tearing a
0: 15-foot hole in the bulkhead. Bleeding and wounded with shrapnel in his leg and back. Simon runs for cover. Kitten Simon was born on Hong Kong's Stonecutter's Island. Surrounded by water, island moggies were known to make good ships' cats. When the amethyst docked there, one of its sailors, a 17-year-old ordinary seaman, George Hickenbottom, found Simon wandering in the island
1: dockyard and smuggled him onto the ship, hidden under his uniform,
0: concealing the cat in his cramped bunk.
1: Until one day, ship's captain Griffiths discovered sailor Simon. What are you doing? Fortunately, the captain liked cats. And there was a vacancy on board for a
0: rat catcher. Rats were always a threat to ship's food. Simon was a top notch hunter, proudly dropping the dead rodents at the captain's feet, sometimes on his bunk. The sea cat would sleep in the captain's cabin making a nest in the commander's cap. And when the captain whistled, Simon would come running. And when the new ship's captain, Skinner, took over... He also made friends with Simon. But Captain Skinner
1: was mortally injured
0: in the Chinese attack. And died, alongside another two dozen of his command. But what of Sea Cat Simon? To his crew's delight, the injured cat crawled up on deck, where Petty Officer George Griffiths found the poor animal. His whiskers and eyebrows singed off, his back and legs bloodied with wounds.
1: Weak, frightened and badly dehydrated,
0: Petty Officer Griffiths carefully picked him up and gave him a little water and then took him to sick bay,
1: where the medical officer treated Simon's facial burns and shrapnel wounds.
0: But the sea cat was not expected to last the night.
1: His heart was weak, but cats have nine lives. And Simon pulled through. Griffiths made him a cosy bed in the corner of the petty officer's mess.
0: One day, slowly and painfully, Simon got up to look for his master. Only to come across the sea funerals of the crew members who had died, including the old captain. And when Simon went to the captain's cabin to curl up in his cap, as he used to do... The new captain, who did not like cats, evicted him unceremoniously. But in Simon's absence, the rats had multiplied and were devastating the ship's food supplies.
1: Back on rat-catching duties, Simon caught at least one rat a day.
0: And with several of the younger seamen traumatised and unwell in bay. The ship's
1: medic encouraged the cat to sit on their bunks, where he would knead his paws and
0: purr. Simon won over the ship's new commander by presenting him with a dead rat. The captain stroked him and threw the rat overboard when Simon wasn't looking. There was a large and vicious rat that had been stalking the ship. The crew nicknamed it Meowd Say Tong. After attempts to trap the demon rat failed... One day, cat and rat came face to face. Simon sprang and killed the rat outright.
1: The delighted crew hailed him as a hero and he was promoted to able sea cat
0: Simon. After 101 days in open sea, with fierce heat and humidity and dwindling supplies of fuel and food, the ship finally made it to a safe port. On naval orders, a presentation was made on deck and the crew decorated with a special medal. Simon was held by a boy seaman while a citation was read out. Abel Seacat Simon was awarded the Amethyst Campaign Ribbon. Then the message arrived that Simon was to be awarded the highest honour for animals in war. The Dickin Medal, known as the Animals Victoria Cross.
1: This was only the 54th award of the medal.
0: When news of the award reached the media, there were photo calls and newsreel films, letters, poems, gifts of food, cat toys arriving in every post. A special cat officer had to be appointed to deal with 200 presents for Simon. Arriving back
1: in Plymouth, Simon had to be isolated for the standard six-month quarantine.
0: Preparations began for the medal presentation.
1: But it was not to be.
0: Simon became listless. And when the vet was sent for, the cat had a high temperature. He was given an injection and tablets and then seemed to sleep.
1: His carer sat with him all night, but by the morning of the 28th of November, he had died.
0: The vet felt that he would have recovered from the virus had his heart not been weakened by war wounds.
1: There were obituaries in the newspapers.
0: And Simon was buried in the PDSA's Animal Cemetery at Ilford, east of London.
1: A special casket was fashioned to hold the small body,
0: and it was draped with the Union flag. Buried with naval honours.
1: As of 2023, only one cat has ever earned the prestigious prize.
0: And his name was simply Simon. Cats have been stalking the corridors of political power for centuries. Cardinal Wolsey was the chief advisor to King Henry VIII. So great was his power that Wolsey was known as the Altarex, the Other King. When Wolsey administered justice as Lord Chancellor,
1: a favourite black cat always sat beside him.
0: And there are reports that he brought the princely pussy to state dinners and church services. A statue in his hometown of Ipswich features the cardinal on a throne with a cat
1: next to him.
0: Wolsey established the tradition of civil service cats.
1: The UK Treasury, Cabinet, War and Home Offices have employed
0: felines for centuries. Frilly was on the payroll as Chief Mouser to the War Office in 1909. When he died, employees
1: had a collection to pay to have him stuffed and preserved for posterity. In
0: 2007, Stuffed Frilly reappeared as an exhibit at the Imperial War Museum's Animals in War exhibition. But felines are the ultimate political animals. And could only be satisfied by reaching the top cat office of the Prime Minister.
1: Ginger Cat Rufus of England, aka Treasury Bill, was mouser to Prime Minister Ramsay MacDonald from 1924.
0: He would bring
1: his trophies to the PM. On discovering that they were being put in the rubbish, Rufus adopted the correct procedure and placed the deceased mice
0: in a line next to the bins. When Rufus grew old and skinny, the Treasury Secretary requested that the Lords double the cat food allowance.
2: Their Lordships replied, After giving careful consideration to the matter, we're unable to approve a rise.
0: Rufus took matters into his own paws. Finding the Treasury Secretary's office door open, he launched a purring charm offensive on Chancellor Philip Snowden, who immediately made a note. Treasury vote. Approve increase in cat's pay. When the budget for the cat's pay was passed, Rufus gained his punning nickname. Treasury bill. There was a cat in office under PM Neville Chamberlain. Who was still there when Churchill moved to Downing Street in May 1940.
1: He was nicknamed Munich Mouser by Churchill, a swipe at the failed Munich peace treaty
0: signed by Chamberlain. Churchill was very fond of cats and Mauser lived alongside his black cat Nelson.
1: One day Churchill came into his office with some papers in his hand and the cat was sitting in the room.
0: Good morning, cat.
1: The moggy was mute, so Churchill repeated
2: Good morning, cat.
1: When the cat made no effort to be near him, the PM slashed at it with his papers and
0: it ran from the building. The cat didn't return the next day and disappeared for months. Churchill finally said to his secretary, Do you think it's because I hit him? When the secretary replied, Almost certainly. Churchill said, Can you put a card in the window to say that if the cat cares to come home,
1: all is forgiven? Munich Mouser and Churchill's cats were joined by
0: Emily of the Home Office. Picked up in the streets by a charwoman, Emily was so wise and engaging that she always sat in at conferences with the Home Secretary. In 1964, Prime Minister Harold Wilson brought his cat
1: to Downing Street. A male Siamese called Nemo. When it went missing, the Wilsons went up and down the streets on a mission of finding Nemo
0: who was busy fighting with a stray moggy.
1: Kitten Wilberforce arrived from the RSPCA during Prime Minister Edward Heath's government.
0: Appointed office manager's cat with a suitable living allowance.
1: The black and white feline proved a terrific mouser.
0: And outlasted Heath and several subsequent Prime
1: Ministers. Whenever he wanted to enter number 10, policemen on duty at the front door had instructions to ring the bell.
0: Margaret Thatcher is said to have brought him back a tin of sardines from Cold War Moscow.
1: When he appeared on TV with Thatcher, Wilberforce received more fan mail than the PM.
0: Wilberforce retired after 13 years of service and went to live in the country with a caretaker.
1: Where he apparently devoted his time to dominating a large dog. It was Humphrey who brought the position of resident mouse at Downing
0: Street to the public's attention. A stray, long-haired, black and white, who became one of the most popular cats in Great Britain. Found by a member of the
1: Cabinet Office staff in 1989, late in Thatcher's Prime Ministership.
0: He remained throughout John Major's term in office.
1: Following a ballot among staff, he was named after Sir Humphrey Appleby from the popular political BBC
0: television comedy show Yes Minister. Given the official title of Mouser to the Cabinet Office, his food paid for by the departmental budget. The cost of £100 appealed to Mrs Thatcher as it was cheaper than the pest control contractor. Who charged £4,000 a year and apparently never caught a mouse.
1: Humphrey's eight years in the corridors of
0: power saw him mingling with great statesmen. But the top cat paid scant attention to politicians, heads of state or even royalty. The King of Jordan was kept waiting while a police officer removed Humphrey from the red carpet. He used up one of his nine lives when the US President, Bill Clinton, came to visit.
1: Narrowly avoiding being run over by a two-tonne
0: armoured presidential Cadillac. During John Major's prime ministership, he was accused of killing baby robins in the number 10 garden. Major defended him in a statement. It is
2: quite certain that Humphrey is not a serial killer.
1: It was later revealed that the Robin story was fabricated by the Daily
0: Telegraph political editor. In 1995, Humphrey went missing and it was assumed that he died. As one wag claimed, From eating too many civil service biscuits.
1: The Times published an obituary picture
0: which alerted the nearby Royal Army Medical College who'd taken him in, assuming he was a stray.
1: A Downing Street limo was sent to collect him.
0: Upon his return, Humphrey issued a statement through the civil service.
2: I have had a wonderful holiday at the Royal Army Medical College, but it's nice to be back and I'm looking forward to the new parliamentary session. A
0: congratulatory message was received from America's first cat, Sox Clinton.
1: Humphrey resumed his post as first mouser.
0: Appearing on the 1996 Cabinet Office Christmas cards. When Tony Blair became Prime Minister, his wife Sherry was not a cat lover. There was a rumour that Humphrey would be evicted.
1: Following a storm of protest and bowing to pressure, photos of Mrs Blair holding Humphrey were hastily arranged.
0: She didn't look altogether happy
1: but a strenuous denial that he would be evicted was put out.
0: However, within six months, Humphrey left Number 10, with the press reporting... Vote him with his paws.
2: After eight happy years under the Conservatives, he could only take six months of labour.
1: Rumour circulated that poor Humphrey had been put to sleep. Number 10 insisted he was...
0: Retiring from politics for health reasons. One Conservative MP demanded proof that the cat was still alive.
1: So Downing Street smuggled press to a secret location in South London. A press shooter who had photographed Humphrey many times reported... He
2: greeted me like an old friend and there was no doubt it really was Humphrey. As hostages are, he was photographed with the newspapers of the day to prove there was no trickery and with his new pal, a goldfish.
1: As the Blairs were not cat lovers, there was a pussy hiatus at number 10. What you might call a pause. But after 10 years, Humphrey's successor appeared.
0: The Downing Street website reporting, Sybil has arrived from Edinburgh with the Chancellor.
1: Black and white Sybil was named after Basil Fawlty's wife in the comedy series Fawlty
0: Towers. But unlike her loud and blousy namesake, the reserved Sybil did not like the limelight. Especially as there were so many media commitments and appearances on YouTube videos. And fans sending their own cat's paw prints and asking for Sybil's. The Chancellor had
1: cards printed with her picture and a paw print sent out as replies.
0: It proved too much for Sybil, who was taken to live in a quieter neighbourhood.
1: Following several live TV reports from outside number 10 with rats scuttling in the background.
0: And we're not just talking about politicians.
1: There was desperate need for a new chief mouser.
0: New PM David Cameron interviewed a number of felines from Battersea's Dogs and Cats home.
1: Larry was selected from a shortlist.
2: A three-year-old moggy described as... A bit of a bruiser who has been living rough for some time on the London streets, but very affectionate and sociable and confident to settle into the busy political lifestyle at number 10.
0: There was a slight problem when he was introduced... Larry scratched a reporter as he struggled free from her arms when she picked him up for a one-to-one interview. But Larry's fame went viral. He was the first social media cat. With three Twitter accounts set up in his name. Parody account number 10cat has nearly one million followers with regular
2: updates such as I pull this face every time a member of the government does something stupid. I haven't changed my expression for at least a year now.
1: Larry met Barack Obama during the American President and First Lady state visit to Britain.
0: On behalf of the US government, Larry was presented with a toy rat.
2: As if I don't have enough rats to deal with.
1: In 2011, there was news that Larry was not fulfilling his duty. The Mirror newspaper reporting,
2: Larry
0: the Cat is failing in his role as Chief Mouser with pest controllers called to Downing Street 29 times in just one year. The rescue puss is meant to patrol the corridors of power, tackling the rodent defestation at number 10, but the brown and white tabby is often found sleeping in the street or, at his most energetic, fighting with other Westminster felines. And Larry's reluctance to kill has seen rat and mouse catchers summoned on dozens of occasions in recent months. Downing Street insiders are privately scathing about Larry's mouse-catching abilities. One has been known to refer to that bloody lazy cat in frustration at the moggy's inability to do his job. Nicknamed Lazy Larry by the tabloid press, he was said to spend too much time visiting his girlfriend, a cat called Maisie who lived in St James Park.
1: Larry also managed to get himself into Google Street View when Downing Street was visited and filmed, catching Number 10's cat-in-residence snoozing outside the door.
0: With Larry, cat-a-tonic most of the time. There were rumours of tensions between Prime Minister David Cameron and Larry. With a report that Cameron was fed up with his suit getting covered in cat hair.
1: The public took to Twitter in support of Larry.
0: The Prime Minister denied the rumours insisting that me and Larry get on perfectly well. The crunch came when Mr Cameron reportedly found Larry asleep on his chair in
1: his study while a mouse ran across the room.
0: He attempted to wake Larry, but all the feline could manage was to open one eye. In September
2: 2012, it seemed that Larry was about to be sidelined. The Prime Minister has ordered a cabinet reshuffle drafting in Tabby Freya as the new mouser of state.
0: Freya was taking up residence with Chancellor George Osborne at 11 Downing Street.
1: In an attempt to avoid hurting Larry's feelings, the post was described as a job share.
0: But a photo soon appeared of Larry and Freya in a cat scrap.
1: Freya was reported to have gained access to the government's most secure buildings.
0: And there was speculation
1: that she was a spy cat And then, suddenly, Freya left. Was she removed by orders of MI5? Well,
0: no. The feline had gone a-wandering. It was quite usual for her to visit Westminster's Red Lion pub in the evening, crossing four lanes of Whitehall traffic to get there. And she would be brought home by one of the barmaids. The Osbournes decided that her wanderings put her at too much risk. So Freya was retired to a
1: home in the Kent countryside with a kind member of staff. So Larry was once more top cat. Left to continue mouse-catching duties, a permanent
0: fixture at number 10. Larry proceeded to outlive numerous Prime Ministers. Prime Minister Theresa May came and went. Then Boris Johnson.
1: Liz Truss was in number 10 for 49 days, the shortest ever Prime
0: Ministerial term. And now Richie Sunak. And more rival cats have also come and gone. The Foreign and Commonwealth Office recruited a feline mouser of their own. Palmerston, a two year old black and white cat
1: named after Lord
0: Palmerston, a former British Foreign Secretary. And there were security questions. Foreign Secretary Philip Hammond, responding in the Commons to accusations that Palmerston was a spy, mole, or sleeper, said, He's definitely not a mole. And I can categorically assure you that he has been regularly vetted. As for being a sleeper, well, he is definitely a sleeper. Very often in my office. But predictably, reports emerged of spats between Palmerston and Larry of Number 10. Fur started flying. Mediation was attempted, but stressed out Palmerston was sent, as they say in politics, On
2: leave.
1: And so the
0: legend that Islawi reigns as political top cat. Chasing foxes away from Downing Street. Seeing off the odd mouse. And four prime ministers. The ultimate political animal.
1: This Extraordinary Stories of Britain podcast was written and produced by Mark Zakian and narrated with Felicity Vensel, with voices performed by Tony Lewis. The music was written by Jeremy Pattle. For more history podcasts, visit storiesofbritain.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stories Britain.